Hi, I'm Mark Roach, Jr., partner at Prodigy Search. As part of Prodigy Search Presents interview series, we are speaking with a few members of our DNI Board of Advisors as they play a major role advocating for change within their organizations and also within the sports entertainment industries. Our goal with this mini series is to continue to educate and provide guidance to sports entertainment leaders as our DNI board members share valuable insights and best practices. With that in mind, we're here for a few questions with Glenn Mary. Thanks for being here, Glenn. Oh, my pleasure. Good to see you, Mark. So by way of a quick background, and I, and I know a lot of folks do know you, given your, your history and your, your prior work experiences, and I, I want to make sure I spend enough time uh, having you give your own due to your background. But by way of quick intro, Glenn is the executive director of Move United, previously Disabled Sports USA, and prior spent nearly 12 years with U.S. Rowing as CEO. Um, so Glenn, let's jump right in. Talk about your decision to join what was then in 2018. We just talked about two-year anniversary, um, you know, right around the corner. Um, joining Disabled Sports USA, what, what went into your decision, your thought process, and, and you know, uh, I hope you're happy with your decision, but talk about that. Today. Yeah, well, you were pivotal in, uh, in the process. So I appreciate Prodigy and, and the search that went on for the position. You know, um, up through 2017, I had spent nearly 20 years at U.S. rowing in a variety of roles, and my, my time just came to an end there, and I took a year to really consider what I wanted to do. Um, it'll sound strange, but I was never intentionally involved in sports management. It was something that I didn't fall into. It's something I kind of got led into and really enjoyed it. Um, but here I was looking back at 20 years in sports, and I'm thinking to myself, I think I'd like to have a bigger impact. I'd like to have a societal impact. And so I started a job search that led me to Disabled Sports USA, and they, they really clicked a lot of the boxes. Here's an organization that's really focused on people with disabilities in activating their potential and getting them to realize for themselves what their potential is, but also in challenging society to think about what their potential is. Um, it was still sports, so I had you know the background that I could bring to that. And um, it was a relatively uh, open opportunity. There was a lot of upswing um, that I recognize as going through the process. So it checked a lot of boxes to kind of move into a place where I thought I could really make an impact and a difference. And now after two years, uh, looking back, it's been a marvelous two years. Can you share the story behind that? As I was giving your introduction, not to confuse everybody, but I wanted to make sure I talked about when you first joined and, and that organization being perhaps more familiar to, to some. Um, but can you talk about the story behind the merger that brought us what is today Move United? I know people can see it over your left shoulder, but talk about Move United and that rebrand. We were joking earlier, the technology at our office is basic, but we were able to put up a Move United background. This isn't actually my office. Um, I'm sequestered in an attic in North Jersey. So, um, you know, Disabled Sport USA and Adaptive Sport USA had very, um, in some ways, parallel missions and parallel trajectory over the last 50, 60 years in the case of ASUSA. And as we went through the um, strategic planning process back in 2019, we set out some kind of bold visionary uh, points that we wanted to land, some moonshots, if you will. And one of those has to do with bringing together adaptive sports in the United States and making it so that the American people have it accessible to them um, wherever they live. And so when we started, we had 125 or so uh, chapters. And we were at a meeting actually at the US Olympic Assembly. And we were talking with our colleagues um, from Adaptive Sport USA about some challenges that we're all facing. Uh, specific at that point 
um, to the challenges around safe sport and us making sure that our environment was safe and what resources were out there. Um, and as part of the multi-sport organization council, um, we would get together with others that, that worked in various fields, some in, in disability sport and some, some outside of that. But the adaptive sport community, we're like, oh, we don't have resources. How are we going to build a, a program? And from that, the conversation between Susan Rossi and I continued to evolve into, geez, there's a lot of synergy between what we do. Um, you know, we're, our network is a little bit bigger than theirs. Um, their focus is a lot on competition. Ours is a lot on community uh, grassroots. So as we talked about what it could look like, we we're like, let's bring the groups together. First time in 50 years that this conversation had happened, and both boards were very receptive to it. Um, parallel to that process, we had been examining our own brand, and Disabled Sports USA is exactly what it says it was, very descriptive. Um, but there's some nuances to being called disabled that some people don't care for. And since we serve a pretty wide group, we're trying to apoliticize uh, our name and really encapsulate the direction and energy that we want to bring to the movement. And as we went through a six month process, we secured outside expertise uh, through a group called Super Union out of New York City, uh, one of the top branding companies in the, in the uh, country. And they went through a very rigorous process of speaking with our stakeholders, members, um, and others about who we were. And as we got to the naming process, that was really painful, but it was kind of fun. Um, you know, come in after 40 years of the same executive director, come in as the new guy and change the name of the organization. It's, um, it's challenging because everyone has a vision of who they are. Fortunately, our organization had had 12 names. So it wasn't the first time that we've done it. And, um, the uniting of ASUSA and DSUSA prominently figured into the name Move United. So it's about movement, it's about engagement, it's about creating a social movement and social justice around people with disabilities, and it's about uniting people in adaptive sport, whether it's competitive, whether it's community-based, uh, whether it's therapy uh, sport, it's bringing the whole group together from kind of soup to nuts. And this and, and and things didn't slow you down. This this pandemic didn't slow you down. You've adapted. You've adjusted. The organization's had success over the last six months. We have, and um, it really, almost across any metrics, you know, a lot of people in nonprofit um, look at their mission, and we've stayed true to our mission. Um, we've now included com competition as part of our mission. Um, but what we've also done is we had a plan going into the spring which was completely disrupted and upended by the pandemic. We finished our last event on 15th of March. We closed the offices on the 17th of March. Two weeks later, we launched what's called um, Adapt at Home. And this was an effort by a group that has relatively light experience when it comes to technology in bringing adaptive sport to people where they were sequestered, where they were uh, isolated and trying to break down those barriers. Um, and we had a chapter network at that time of 140, um, and our chapters worked with us. So we created this uh, online activation point that since April 1st, we've had more than 920 events, fitness sessions, training sessions. Um, we moved our entire leadership conference to a full week online, um, and we've had more than 200,000 registrations uh, for those 900 events over the course of time in the last six months. 
and those 200,000 registrations represent about 40 to 45,000 unique individuals. Um, some of the program we do ourselves, some of the programming we partner with our chapters and facilitate getting them up on a platform or promoting what they're doing, but the response has been tremendous. And I think it really represents where we are in this movement to bring adaptive sport into the forefront of American culture. And that's that people don't wanna be isolated. People wanna be fit and healthy, whether they have a disability or not. And so um, what it's taught me is the visions that we had for where we wanted to be in eight years and by 2028 when the Paralympics returned to the United States, um, we want it to be across, so 90% of the country would be in a short drive to one of our chapters, which means we need more chapters and we need them to be in saturated uh, populations. Um, what this taught me is we can also do this virtually and have an impact. It may not be the primary goal, may not reach everything that we're trying to do. There's still a tremendous amount that requires hands-on, but it gives us a new tool. Maybe we reach 100% by 2028. Um, which would be a great, uh, a great accomplishment, I think, if we could get everyone in the United States to be able to engage with sport. I think the word inclusion, right? That that it's something that um, the board and, and yourself uh, has advised us on, and, and not just D and I, but what those words mean, and clearly including that word equ equity in there as well, and clearly our lens and what how we look at this. But I, and I and I love your perspective on it because I think it is a unique one. The lens of of recruiting and hiring and and, and professional. Uh, jobs, so less the competition, but on the business side of sports entertainment, where Prodigy sits, right, and recruiting people, and and what we what we continue to learn, you know, as often as we can from our from our board advisors, from people like yourself, is is um, is that definition, the expanding definition, the education, the learning, um, you know, and and how we can improve in placing people, um, you know, and focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and and so Glenn, I guess my question to you is, you know, how can sports teams, how can leagues how can our industry just do a better job from a DEI perspective when it comes to hiring and promoting and providing opportunities for those with disabilities? Because I think that, and, and we've talked about it, maybe not directly, and, and I think maybe you've hinted at because your personality isn't to be in your face, but I don't think the, the, the disability um, comes in, into the equation as much as other definitions of, of DNI, right? I mean, because it's, um, it, it's sometimes females, it's, it's uh, people of color, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, all the other definitions that, you know, we need to do a better job as an entry of promoting and, and bring and giving opportunity to those with disabilities. Can you talk about that? Yeah, and it's an interesting conversation because the real question is why wouldn't you engage people right. with disabilities? It's the largest minority in the United States. One fifth of the population has a disability. Some of those are hidden. Uh, some of them are cognitive. Some of them are physical. Some of them are very present and visible. But if you're a sports organization, you're missing 20% of your audience, you're missing 20% of the potential workforce by not engaging this. Maybe. And they cover all the, the, the population of people with disabilities covers all the other groups, whether right. it's people of color, uh, gender, whatever it is. Um, I think one thing that I have really benefited from coming in is that we have very open and direct conversations, um, which allow us to be critical of ourselves. And actually today we're launching, as of today, our first DEI uh, leadership team at Move United. And part of it is because when everything this spring occurred and Black Lives Matter went out into uh, protest and people started having us as part of their discussion, 
what we realized is we've been thinking of ourselves as an inclusive organization because we serve people with disabilities. When we look at who we're serving in that community, it doesn't reflect the populations that are disaffected by disability. Um, people of color, especially African-American and black uh, populations, it's 30% instead of 20% people with disabilities. It follows very much uh, socioeconomic background. Um, if I was working in another sports organization, you're, you're missing tremendous assets and resources and perspective. And I would be remiss if I didn't say, by not having a physical disability myself, I am a bit of an ableist. And I do have uh, not the perfect perspective on how to serve my community, which means I have to engage people who do. People who do have a disability. I have to have difficult conversations and challenge myself, my own perspectives. Um, I grew up in a family that had several members of my family had physical disabilities, but it's not the same as talking to people that are amputees and getting their perspective and getting them to be part of your management team, getting them to be part of your board of directors. Um, and how could you not include that 20% of the population that exists throughout the country? It's not geographical. It's not big city versus rural. Um, it's not uh, people of color versus white. It's across the boards. So I think there's a tremendous opportunity here and if anything that we've learned from COVID and this work remotely is that we don't have to have a barrier of the workplace. Um, most workplaces are pretty dismal when it comes to accessibility. Yeah. Um, most employers are pretty dismal um, about in engaging the technologies, but it, the cost of technology to include, um, you know, people with all different disabilities, even if it's uh, blind or deaf or cognitive, instead of uh, being an ableist and just kind of checking a box, it's how do you engage them to actually make your company better? So I guess that's, I've learned a lot over the last six months and over the last few years as we have difficult conversations within our own organization about who we're serving and how we engage people's voice to make sure that we're doing it correctly. And I'm happy to say, while we don't have perfect uh, inclusion within the workforce and the board of directors, we do have inclusion when it comes to people with disabilities and we sh should because we shouldn't be making decisions without engaging uh, the people that we're serving. Greg, we talk about something that I, I know your organization and yourself and, and, uh, and, and others celebrated. I think, I think we can say celebrated. I mean, this summer marked the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act on the law. And, and, and uh, again, like you have family members and, and, um, and friends um, that have um, benefited from from what that has done over the last 30 years. And that's still, there's still a long way to go, right? I mean, I think there's, it's kind of two questions, right? Is, can you talk about how far we've come since 1990, but perhaps what still needs to be done in terms of growth and evolution since the ADA came, in, came into play? Yeah, this is a difficult uh, discussion point, I think, because while the ADA was signed in, in 30 years ago, and engages a whole host of um, legal uh, support structures, the reality is um, it hasn't moved the needle as much as it needs to. You know, the, um, there's still tons of public spaces, public buildings, uh, new projects that are being built, stadiums, every, everything else that's not as accessible as it should be for 20% of the population. Um, there's still, uh, people with disabilities are still underrepresented in the workforce. Um, there's still a, 
discrimination, intentional or otherwise, there's still discrimination about hiring practices um, because it's a uncomfortable topic. What's interesting right now though, is that the topic is becoming more present, not just because it's 30 years in, but because you have this graying of a population of able-bodied people who are now facing their own physical limitations and injuries and other health ailments that are creating a new group of people with disabilities, this aging population. And um, there, I suspect that we'll see a continued increase in the voice around why aren't we being served the way that we always have been? Whereas people that perhaps are born with disability or people who have disability early in life have had to kind of navigate the abled world. And, you know, there's, there's some great materials out there right now. And, and I think we are at a tipping point for it. This is why Move United changed its name. We think that there's a movement to be had here. Um, we see in the media larger and larger inclusion around athletes, around um, stories of, uh, of the mavens within the disability community that were out in the 70s, 80s, and 90s at protests. Um, and they're being celebrated. And um, it's being talked about what it's like to live with a disability in a much more open fashion. And certainly technology has allowed that because you can get first person stories um, on social media very easily. It's very accessible and it's very compelling to understand uh, what people have to go through on a regular basis through discrimination and just assumptions that are made. And I think that's what it comes down to is don't make the assumption. Like let's celebrate this 30th anniversary by changing that dialogue um, don't assume that people need help because they're in a wheelchair. Yeah. Don't assume that um, they're thinking of the world the way that you are. And it's okay to engage in those candid conversations when you know the people or when you're participating in an event that's mixed and inclusive. Um, I think that level of conversation is kind of the same thing that's going on right now in our country around racism, where there's more people of color having uh, active engagements and conversations with white people about, hey, this is what systematic racism looks like. There's systematic discrimination against people with disabilities as well. Yeah. And it's not, it's not, to your point, it's not always at the forefront of the conversation, but it, I'm glad that it, it had, I mean, your organization, others are, are, are bringing it to light. Clearly the anniversary, you know, the 30th anniversary was a good thing to happen this summer in that it reminded people that there's still work to be done. To your point, new stadiums, new builds aren't, um, and office buildings in general that house a lot of our sports teams and organizations aren't um, aren't perfect, and there's still work to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Glenn, thank you so much for the insights and contributions today. I wanted to make sure that people um, could could find out more about your organization. Um, I know they can go to moveunitedsport.org. Uh, they can obviously follow your organization on Twitter at, at moveunitedsport, mm -hmm. all one word. Um, if there's other ways to get in touch with you, um, certainly I know you're um, you're out there on, on LinkedIn, you're out there on Twitter as well. I, I encourage people to take a look at the organization, what they're doing, uh, how you can help, and certainly how you can take advantage of their education and their resources uh, as they are available. So continued success, Glenn. Be well. Thank you. I appreciate it.